Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Vicki. I don't know why I'm introducing myself. Oh, I guess we're introducing ourselves. So this is Amanda. <laughs> if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm Vicki, and that's Amanda. If you got a chance to meet us at the event, maybe put faces to Oh, names. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. So we had um, a big event in September, so it's been a couple weeks out if you're listening to this now. And uh, last week was a really cool episode because we had actually recorded the panel discussion. Mm-hmm. And the week before that, we had done little mini episodes with each of the very qualified and, and doctors in all respective areas. So we hope you guys enjoyed that. That was, you know, a little longer of a podcast episode, but hopefully you got some good information. Um, this week's episode, we're really excited. Um, we had a guest, Adrian Ojeda, and uh, we'll get into the discussion. We we talked a little bit about different things, um, but we had a focus on remediation. Um, he gave us a lot of tips and tricks for, for reading and writing, yeah. but, you know, remediation sometimes is difficult to accomplish. I know you're working on a on a case right now. That... Yeah, I mean, we often get cases where we need a, a good chunk of remediation, and even when we get the district to agree to provide mm-hmm. that remediation, the concept of where do you fit it in right. comes up, right? Because there's only so many hours in the day. We're talking about kids... Right, and remediation is intensive intervention. Mm-hmm. So to, to put that in with a full school day, oftentimes, and not to mention if they have other therapies, or right. we're trying to engage them in social activities, right. <laughs> there's just there's not enough hours in those days. So we have to sometimes think out of the box and find alternative either schedules, alternative days, uh, modified days, or alternative schooling. And, you know, it's something that we've talked about in the past as alternatives, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, but today's episode is going to be brought to you, sponsored by Fusion Academy, and I know we've spoken about them a little bit. But in, in this concept of this modified day and kind of an alternative scheduling, they really have it down to a science. They're able to provide both that comprehensive um, educational environment along with the remediation. It's almost that quality of time that could be less, but it's quality yeah. time. Well, I was explaining this to one of my clients the other day, that oftentimes we have remediation separate and apart from their day-to-day schooling. The day-to-day schooling keeps going on like a train, but we've got the remediation behind. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much remediation we do, that train in front is still going to always be mm-hmm. in front, which, which is that is the, the traditional school day. So instead, Fusion Academy brings it back, like together, right? It brings it back to meet the child and their abilities where they are and personalize it. It's more of that, that guy, student-guided learning. And, and it's for middle schoolers, high school students that allow them to take these classes at their own pace. And we're prepping these kids for college. You right, because that's and, what happens and in that's college. What yeah. So they have a, a 250 plus courses that are all one-on-one. Um, and the homework is included as part of that, that campus life. So we can add on that remediation or other therapies or other things outside of the school day and not make it school, homework, and then these other activities. And we've seen success stories in, in the sense that 
just like every kid um, has his own unique needs. Um, most of the students that, that end up at Fusion have their own unique stories as well. And it really provides a customized community that's great for students that are gifted, twice exceptional. Um, I think we've talked about this before, have ADHD, mild learning differences, anxiety, depression, or just need that flexible schedule that allows exactly. us to do that remediation or meet them at their level and not feel like, they're always playing catch up. And I mean, that's the decision you make in college. Maybe you don't do well in the morning. You're mm -hmm. not doing any morning classes. Right. And I know Fusion has a very flexible schedule and maybe that's what that child needs. Yeah. Or like how in one of, I know we've done this several times in either, or in a bunch of our cases where it's just like modified school day. Half your day's here for the electives. The other half is, you know, at Fusion where you're working like on the academic side, right. which right. which is nice that they allow that flexibility because yeah. not all private schools. Do. And I mean, don't just take it from us or from Fusion themselves. They have so many parents mm -hmm. that have provided testimonials. Um, like one Mission Viejo parent, Nina, has said, I literally saw my son find himself again. He's so happy, engaged in learning, and can't wait for the next day. And I mean, when we talk about education, that's yeah. really what we're talking about, right? We want the kids Always. to enjoy themselves and look forward to coming to school because that's the best way that they learn. Yeah. So we're, we're really glad that they exist as an option because mm -hmm. oftentimes it's hard. If, if families think there's only the one option of their public school that's local to them right. um, and often think that uh, private schools are so in the box that that's not an option, well, mm -hmm. Fusion kind of breaks that mold of, exactly. of that private school because it, it really is individualized. Um, as some of these kids kids need it. So, you know, again, if you're if you're looking for more information, go visit a campus and, and talk to them more. And, and here in Orange County, there's one in Huntington, there's one in Mission Viejo. Mm -hmm. And I know um, if you're listening to this, you know, outside of California, if you go to fusionacademy.com, I mean, they're nationwide. So yeah. um, hopefully there's one near you. And uh, we're just so thankful that they are sponsoring today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you um, get ready, hunker down again. It's not quite as long of an episode <laughs> as last week, but you'll hear um, next our conversation with Adrian and learn more about some of these unique needs that he fills those gaps. <laughs> technical so, difficulties. Sorry, our guest is having technical difficulties. We'll, we'll get to him in a minute. He's He'll be fine. He'll be fine. We actually had our event for reels last night, and it was a success. So, you know how people do vision boards, and it's like, I put on my vision board this. That's basically what we did the last time that we recorded. Yeah, we pretended like it had already been a success, and then it ended up being a success. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, still on a high from last night because it's Friday morning, so um, right after the event. So we'll, like, put some tallies of, I think we had over 80 people, and if I had to do a rough estimate, I would say we probably raised over $8,000, but I'm going to caveat that with, I'm going to tally it up, and we'll let you know. It's probably above that, which would be, which, I mean, even that alone is, is, just incredible how many families we're going to be able to help with that fun so anyone that's listening that came out thank you so much for coming out we we so appreciate it and for those of you who weren't able to attend remember there's going to be a live um the the live recording that we did will be on the pod and we have a bonus episode that will come before that which will introduce you all to all of our panelists so you'll get to know them a little better and then you'll be able to hear the the event what was the highlight of the night for you Oh man, you gotta put me on the spot like that. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I think um, hearing that everyone felt it was such an inspiring event. 
because I think that's the biggest thing that, that we try to do um, with changing the conversation and having a good discussion and not just something that is something that everyone's already heard, right? And so to have a lot of people leaving just so amazed and, and so inspired, that's, and our panelists, it's all to them. All to their, their great discussion. What about you? When we did the raffle for that trip to the Caribbean and one of the gals from Behavioral Frontiers, and I met so many people, I apologize. And I, like, literally asked her name, like, three times. And she won. She, like, just jumped up. <laughs> and she's like, I bought, I was hoping to get the globe for my kids. And I was like, oh, well, this is better. Now you're going to trip to the Caribbean. I thought that was really funny. That was, it was, it was fun. But, um... For us, we're still at the beginning of the school year, and even if this is a little late in September or October that you're hearing it, something that's always key that we get asked about all the time are reading strategies, and today we have the pleasure of having Adrian from Linda Mubell with us. Hi, Adrian. <laughs> thanks for coming in. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I was actually really excited. Um, I do listen to your guys' podcast from time to you time. You don't have to say that um, just because you're on now. I actually was just listening to the one that you guys did on Tuesday. Um, about the four-day school day oh, in Colorado, oh. but not mm-hmm. because it's positive, but because they don't have any money. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, was, I have to finish that one up still, but I actually do listen. <laughs> well, we appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any uh, feedback, any constructive criticism yet? Well, I actually, well, I was because actually worried. want to improve. <laughs> I was actually worried when I was thinking about coming on here because I noticed a lot of times public speakers, people who are talking in public or podcasts and they say the word um and uh a lot. And so yes. I was like really closely listening and I was like, man, they really don't say uh and um all that much. Really? In compared- we might well, have a good editor. <laughs> no, you know what I think it is? I think if you listen to some of the, the first ones, we might have done it more often. Just I mean, pro- I at least- Progressively got better and better yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've gotten more aware of it over the years. But, you know, I think when you have more to say and like you're engaged in the conversation, I think people less often say that. I think I read an article or something where it was like people that say um are actually like really intelligent and they just <laughs> want to stall and just give themselves a beat. And give them so, that little time yeah, to process. So if you say um or whatever, that's fine. You're good. <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to say that it was bad. I just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Look, I don't want you to feel nervous. We've been doing this since November. We are seasoned experts. No, I'm just kidding. We're still learning, too. Like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we have conversations just like we have in our office and at networking events. Like, we've had, you know, lunches with you before. Like, it's just conversation. Yeah. And that's that's what parents, that's what people want to hear because they can't always be privy to these conversations. And, you know, sometimes it's a breath of fresh air, too, because we'll have a conversation about something that a parent is probably listening and going, oh, my God, I've been thinking that. So often, I'm glad I'm not the only one. So that's that's where it's helpful, too. Yeah. And so, how long have you been with Linda Mubell? So, I've been with Linda Mubell for five years now. I've helped be able to direct and manage a couple different centers. So, okay. I used to run the Manhattan Beach Center for a number of years. And I'm currently directing the Palos Verdes Center, mm-hmm. as well as the Long Beach Center when that's open, usually during, like, holidays or summers. Oh, interesting. Okay. So... That's always helpful for people who are kind of stuck between either Newport or mm-hmm. Palisades or Manhattan. Sometimes taking an hour-long drive isn't really ideal, right. um, and so having that as a as a place that they can go to sometimes is, is where they can actually get the help their student needs, but without having to rearrange their. And it's already life. something extra that you're like having yeah. your kid do, <laughs> yep. and so then to drive two hours is just yeah, it's not yeah, it just doesn't work for sometimes. Very long. Yeah, 
Yeah. If you want to talk a little bit about like Linda Mubel, because that that's a name that gets thrown out. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some people that recognize it, and some people that are like, "What are they talking about?" So as far as like what we do, uh, I always talk about like the why behind things, mm-hmm. and that's really what we're focusing on. Is a lot of students will come to us and they have trouble with reading fluency or their math, writing, comprehension in general. And that's something that I've always found is, is pretty easily picked up on, mm-hmm. not just by teachers and professionals, but, but even my parents and just anybody. They can very clearly see a student who's struggling with reading. Mm-hmm. You can hear it, you can see it, you can see the frustration. And yeah. the same with a lot of those other academic skills. But a lot of times what parents and some professionals maybe that haven't had a chance to dig in yet is, why? Mm-hmm. Why is this so hard for my kid to pick up? Or why is this so hard for this student to learn? And a lot of times it's going to go back to cognitive processes. And those are the cognitive processes are the what gives the student the ability to acquire academic skills. And so if there is a weakness in a cognitive process that's related to that skill, well, it's going to affect it. And that's where we kind of really focus is let's look at the academic skill and then let's look at the cognitive function and figure out, okay, is it a cognitive function mm-hmm. that's weak? Let's focus there and really make sure that we're doing the correct type of instruction to target that so the student is able to make some big changes in their life, both socially and academically. And we get rid of this crutch of you do well with the tutor and then you don't have a tutor and now you don't do well. Mm-hmm. So making more of a lasting change so that this is something that makes an impact in their life, again, as opposed to just a quick fix. It's the idea if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you give yes. him a fish, he'll eat for a lifetime, that type of idea. Exactly. I think one thing um, we often have parents that talk to us about Linda Mubel, and, and they think, oh, well, you know, that's just going to help with reading comprehension, right? But we always talk about how reading comprehension and language processing affects all areas of learning, right, from math to writing, and it's it's really a component of, of everything, right? Yeah, it's it's really going to affect, um, I mean, we see it in sometimes our students who come to us and with uh, autism spectrum and their social skills, their social interactments, it's, it lacks because they can't process language. Right. And so sometimes it's not so much that they, you know, sometimes humor will go over their head, but other times they're talking about something or someone's talking to them and they just flat don't get it because... Like for myself, I know I typically have a a little bit more of a quicker speech pattern than maybe other people. Well, if someone has trouble processing that, if I'm talking to a student like that, they'll look at me and they'll probably zone out after about 10 seconds if I don't monitor that. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that, you know, people don't necessarily think about for their students who may actually have language processing issues or weaknesses that it's not going to affect just school or lectures or when the teacher is talking or oral directions. It's going to affect peer interactions. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect whether you know what to do in a sports activity. That's right. another huge one of, hey, go run to this cone, hit that pad, catch a ball, and then the other students in the front of the line, he goes, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me go to the back and watch this five or six times because they, they don't get it. Yeah, because that's all immediate, right? Like when we're yeah. dealing with pencil, paper tasks in school, you can take a second to think about it. You're taking a test or you're studying, you're doing homework. There's that processing time that is inherent in those tasks. But yeah. when you're having a conversation or you're engaging with a peer, especially kids, you take a second to process, it, it's not going to go well. And that's that, that processing time. Yeah. I thought you were going to go to the um, seeing that with the uh, VIP kids. So, oh. so I handed you the mic. <laughs> 
Well, I can go there. Now I have already something else to say. It was interesting that you said that your speech pattern was um, fast because I feel like Amanda and I speak really quickly, and that's probably why whenever we get together, we get through so much because yes. we're talking so fast. <laughs> I feel like when, when I've sat down with other directors or other professionals, we, we're all talking really quickly, and they're trying to keep up, and they're right. looking back and forth like, what's right. wrong And with we're you just guys? like, yeah. oh. But you guys have yeah. coffee? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely get that sometimes, too. Or, and I think that's where we've had some people who are on the pod who are nervous to be on the pod because they're like, we listen and it's like, I, I think it's easier to do when you're passionate about something. And, you yeah. know, so far, every single one of our guests have been very passionate about what they do. And it's, we're not having that processing time with what we're thinking about because it's automatic. Yeah. Because it's so inherent in what we do every day. So that, that helps. And it's, it's about helping kids get that in their academics to be able to, and for the kids who do need that extra processing time that we're giving them that opportunity. But like yeah. you said, during, I mean, yeah, I, I see it in, in VIP. Um, I, I've said it on the pod, so if you really are listening, you'll know this. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But my soccer team, I actually practiced tonight. Yeah, we definitely have to have some of the kids take a moment to, you know, and, and even with like the, the, the dribbling, you know, in a game, they'll get the ball. And we have to have some of the other players hold off, hold off, because it might take them a little bit to yeah. figure out, okay, which direction are they going to go with the ball? And so we want to give them that opportunity. So I think it goes across the board, absolutely. Yeah. So with Linda Mubel, you don't necessarily have to have an IEP. It's, it's one of those things where you see just a whole range of kids. But what kind of drew you to the special education community? From a really young age, I guess I had, I don't know, I just was kind of drawn to students who were different, but there was nothing they could really do about it. So I think I was about maybe eight when I started um, working with students uh, with my little league team where you can partner up with someone who is special needs and just okay. stand by them right. so that they can learn to play the game because maybe they don't or maybe mm -hmm. they can't be there by themselves. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be a teacher and I was working at a school as a teacher's aide and loved working with the kids, but I also saw at the same time how how hard it is to be a teacher with, you know, 25, 30 kids, maybe not having funding for pencils, right. papers, things like that, or being able to spend as much time as I know some of these teachers wanted to spend with these kids. And I had someone who was working for Lindy McBell's a friend at the time, and they said, you're not working during summers anyways, just come up here, I think you'd be great. I was working up here for a summer and I saw a lot of the same type of students who I worked with all the time mm -hmm. that I would work at almost every day with for like an hour, who got a little bit better, but they right. still had a hard time. Those same students at Lindy Bell went from struggling readers to being at grade level. And I just thought to myself, why, why am I gonna go back to doing that when I know I can help the kids here at a much better pace than there? And earlier you had said, you know, what, what you take into account is the why. And so how is, Linda Mubel, because, you know, parents ask us all the time, well, like, you know, they say it's, you know, 20 minutes of reading every day, and it's just like, but my child is struggling, so, like, wh how do I get over that hump? What does Linda Mubel do? I know that you guys do um, some initial evaluations just yeah. to get a, a picture of the child. Does that help in, in answering the why? Yeah, that definitely will give us a lot of information, especially when we're looking at, like, students who struggle with reading fluency, right? We're gonna look at reading fluency. We're also gonna look at discrepancies between reading fluency and comp. So a lot of times students that struggle with reading, they're often very brilliant comprehension-wise. And so you start looking and go, great, you're reading below a first grade equivalent mm -hmm. for fluency, but you can still somehow comprehend up to a fifth grade equivalent. Mm 
-hmm. And so you start going, okay, there's something going on here. And then we start digging in and looking at, great, what's your sightword base? Mm -hmm. What's your decoding ability? Do you have the ability to do, you know, just basic CVC or, you know, pip pop words, or can you do multi-syllable words? Mm -hmm. And going from there and then starting looking to like, again, the why, like, how's your phonological processing? Do you have it? Or is it something that's unknown to you and you, you really don't have it? Or symbol imagery, which is something you would, with students that have dyslexia, they struggle tremendously with symbol imagery mm-hmm. and holding on to those orthographic patterns. And when you start digging a little bit deeper, and again, looking at those two specific cognitive functions, and then even baseline, do, do you know your simple vowels? Right. Do, do you know all the vowels and the sounds in the English language? And do you know uppercase and lowercase letters? If you don't, good luck reading. It's going to be really challenging. So a lot of when we think about the services like that Linda McGill provides, we're thinking about remediation, right? Catching the student up. They're a couple grades below grade level. They're struggling in reading because of that, which mm-hmm. then translates to the rest of their their schooling. Um, and, you know, we can have them go through a summer program with you guys, a very intensive program. And a lot of times we see families that do that, and then we get to the next school year, and they have a whole another school year. And we're not 100% back where we started, but we kind of are, right? Because another yeah. school year, and they continue to struggle. So one thing we've talked about on the pod in the past is trying to restructure our learning environment yes. to ensure that we don't backtrack, right? If we're doing yeah. this great progression through intensive intervention through one-on-one, we don't want them to have to have one-on-one every summer for the rest of their educational career because exactly. that's putting a Band-Aid almost on it, yeah. right? Because we're not, we're not, like you said, really teaching them to fish. We're not helping. So what yeah. are some strategies that you would suggest in terms of they're going to be in a general education classroom? What are some things that teachers can really help to support these students in making sure that they can bridge that gap? If we've gotten some great gains, where do we go from there? So I think one of the most important parts is like when I look at students and I talk to families and teachers about, you know, okay, great. They were well below, you know, grade level. Now they're within the normal range or at grade level. What do we have to do moving forward? And biggest thing is consistency. Just like anything, whether it's, you know, you, you gain weight, you lose weight, you want mm-hmm. something, you actually have to continue to do something and engage in it on a regular basis if you want to maintain it. Just like if you, I tell parents all the time, if I taught you guys Japanese, I don't speak yeah. by the way, <laughs> um, but if I taught you guys Japanese and I taught you how to read it, but then I told you you couldn't look at it, hear it, or speak it for five years. I came back five years later and said, hey, let's talk about it. You'd go, uh, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. And language is in itself a cognitive function. And so even cognitive functions, when you don't utilize them, will drop off. So one of the things is consistency. So making sure that both at school and at home, they're engaging in the reading and they're not falling back on old habits. Mm-hmm. And just some of the small things you can do is I, my older students don't like it, but I make them almost all read with finger or mm-hmm. okay. something. Most students have issues with their eyes that aren't 20-20. Mm-hmm. And even more so than that, your eyes don't really finish developing until you're much older. And so mm-hmm. young students, you can audibly hear a difference when you say, great, read your finger. Okay, go ahead and read how you want. You can hear the difference with mm-hmm. different passages. And that's something that I tell all my families, tell all my kids. I'm like, I know you hate it. You feel like a baby, but it helps you. And mm-hmm. so just go ahead and do that. And that's, again, that's that's like one just super small, tiny thing that mm-hmm. can really help. Um, the other thing for teachers is making sure that for students who may be still struggling, because sometimes, you know, maybe they caught up two years, but they're still six months mm-hmm. to a year behind. And we go, well, 
what are we going to give them to read? You don't want to belittle them and give them something that's readable and super easy, but they're going to sit there and go, this is, this is like baby stuff. Mm -hmm. And you also don't want to give them something that they may want comprehension wise, but they have no business reading because they don't have the sight words. They don't have Mm -hmm. the decoding skill to read that. And so you really have to kind of play this game of, okay, this is way too hard. This is, this is way too easy. And you're not going to like the concept. Let's find something that you can do. Um, and kind of work from there. Um, and those are just things that if you're in a bigger classroom that you can do. I know, again, oftentimes in a big classroom, it's hard to kind of do right. that with, you know, not one-to-one. It's a bit harder at times. Right, so. right. Um, this is just a little preview into one of the episodes that hasn't aired yet, but Amanda and I had a discussion about um, the teacher strikes and in the news uh, for us, which was a week or two ago, was LAUSD and we were gonna do an, an update on that, but it, it kind of fits in with what you were saying before. Like I wanted to be a teacher, but with you know all the cuts and things like that, you know, how am I going, it's already so hard to be a teacher if you've yeah. had everything. <laughs> and then when you don't have anything, but those two simple techniques, and, and we have some teachers that listen to the to the pod shout out um to all you teachers out there we really appreciate it i always got slack because my dad's side of the family like all of them are teachers and when i went into special education they were just like oh you're gonna be suing the school district and i'm like i'm trying to help you you got a class of 30 kids and they want to put three kids with autism that may or may not have behaviors and do not want to give you an aid for them like i'm trying to help you yeah. and that's always something that i think gets lost in the shuffle is that you know uh, special education attorneys you know are painted as these creatures that you know are just sue 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 and you know there's no money and it's just like it's not about the money it's about understanding the child's unique needs and the strategies that are just as simple as you had said that could make all the difference now yes when you're a sophomore and you're telling a sophomore to do that you (laughs) know as opposed to a first grader you know if he would have just been taught just that that was okay yeah it would have made all the difference in the world Uh, one thing I wanted to touch upon that you, you kind of touched on is finding like reading material that's not too easy but not too challenging. And um, I was at an IEP the other day where we were we were dealing with a high schooler who's a little bit behind um, because of some factors that have, have gone on, and, and we're trying to make sure that she can love to read. We want to get to that point, right? Yeah. Because we know that if kids love to read or anyone loves to read, you're more likely to learn more. Yeah. Um, and I know that for, for me, like, I was always a math brain. I loved math. Math was good. Reading, not so much. I was not a, a reader. I hated it. Actually, it was um, when the Harry Potter books first came out, that got me into reading. And so I always had a special place in my heart for Harry Potter because of that. And yeah. now I love to read, right? But it took me getting into that mode because yeah. before then, reading was a, a tool for learning and it wasn't something of enjoyment, right? It wasn't something yeah. that was a leisure activity, right? And then once it got to that, then when I was reading for law school, I mean, it, sometimes it was dull, but it was a different. Yeah. Um, it was different learning for me than, you know, say it was in elementary school or middle school. So I know that that's something that parents struggle with and teachers struggle with. Are there any tools that you know, any websites or any programs that are good at finding books that are at the student's level, but appropriate topics where they can love to read and not feel like I'm reading a baby book? That's That can be kind of hard sometimes just because, again, how how far behind is a student even if right. they've gotten help and then you could look at 
you know, maybe a student with dyslexia, sometimes they're, they're brilliant, right? And so they're maybe two or three years ahead of mm-hmm. what they should be comprehending. So that's where their interest level is going to be. Mm-hmm. So even if you got them reading at grade level, it's not going to be ideal for them. So, um, I mean, I'm always looking at like, you know, Lexile levels and, and, and scholastic reading things to kind right. of look at things. And then also just pick up the book and start kind of glancing over it and look at the sight words, look at like how many multi-syllable words are in this you know first couple of chapters. And if it's something that I think is going to be too tough, then I might say, okay, you can read this with someone, but I wouldn't give this to the kid and just say, Hey, go off and go, go on your room and and go ahead and read this. Um, but I mean, that's something that when you were talking about loving reading, a lot of people don't love reading and what it comes down to is they're not engaging or connecting to the story and the, the movie that they should be creating. Right. So when we're looking at students that maybe do make that movie in their head and they, they do have solid comprehension and they want to read, they just struggle with it. And so they have trouble. Something that I'll tell parents is get in the book, get in the book on tape, have them read that, follow along Mm -hmm. with listening. And obviously that's not going to take over the place of your practice of reading, but what it's going to do is it's going to create like a positive feedback Mm -hmm. loop of the student is enjoying the story. That's why they want to read for a story. And so you're allowing them to read the story that they want with support. Mm -hmm. So it's not frustrating and it creates a positive sort of thing for a student so that they don't necessarily have that negative connotation of like, Oh, this book, Mm -hmm. I hate books because I can't read books. So Doing things like that, I think, can definitely help. And then again, you're going to have to do a lot of research of like classic reading levels, lexile levels, looking things up, and then sometimes just picking it up yourself. Yeah, I think one of the, I think it's like a book share. Um, a lot of the schools uh, in or around Orange County have accounts like automatically set up, but like parents don't know. And that's where a lot of different books uh, are on, like, audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so if your child doesn't have, you know, an auditory processing deficit or anything like that, it's, it's super yeah. helpful because it's, like, also the textbooks themselves. So then you have that supplemental support. And it's that exposure, right? And, yeah. and it's something the child could just, like, do themselves and feel that independence in a way and then maybe start trying it on their own and then just maybe playing it back and, like, making sure that they did it right, which is helpful. So you mentioned the Lexile levels, and when I was in my IP the other day, we were talking about that as well. Um, so can you tell parents exactly what that is in relation to grade level? How is it different, and how can you figure out your kid's Lexile level? So honestly, what I do every time is I pull up the Lexile chart yeah. conversion thing. On the <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, I don't remember what 1,263 right. is. I, I don't know yeah. what's different from 1,264, so let me mm-hmm. pull up the chart. Mm-hmm. And I'll look at the chart and find that range is kind of like that Fontis and Pinnell thing, right? Where it has a range, they'll give you letters. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, if you're reading it, if F, you're, you're at grade level. It's like there's this, this pendulum of like, great, you're still at grade level, you're on the low side, you're on the mid side, mm-hmm. high side. So that's the same thing with Lexile from my experience is there's this range and you have to look up for your reader. But the other th- problem with that is you actually have to know what your student's reading fluency is. Right. Um, so if you don't know that, that'll be a huge issue yeah. to, to begin with. And you got to find that out. And, um, the other thing to keep in mind is like Fontes and Pinnell testing or other types of, of reading. There's, there's very different types of way to measure fluency. And that's where you really need to be careful because there's a difference between fluency and stamina, mm-hmm. right? I can read something pretty quick after 
a paragraph a page give me like 10 chapters I'm not going to be reading at the same pace mm-hmm. um, one because I'm processing it and two just because you get tired yeah and so that's something to keep in mind that you know just because you heard your kid read that first page and killed it maybe maybe after two or three he's making so many mistakes now he's not going to get the book right, um, right so you really have to be careful of not just fluency but also great how long can you sustain that for so it, what I'm usually doing if I know that my kid's got a 5.2 grade equivalent for reading fluency, I'll give him like a 4.9, 4.8, mm-hmm. something just under it because, again, I want him to enjoy reading. Like, right. it, you have to look at what the point of the activity is at times, and if you're practicing fluency, then obviously push that. But if you're giving them reading, assigned reading every night because you want them to enjoy reading and you want them to engage in it, give them something that maybe is a little bit more readable for them. Yeah. What are your thoughts on having them read aloud? Like, if they're going to read for 20 minutes, maybe 10 of the minutes they read to themselves and then 10 minutes they read aloud. I've gotten that as a so suggestion. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that just because I like to help monitor where my kids are doing, right? I don't want to just assume that they're reading fantastically and find right. out at the end of the book when I start asking questions. They thought Slytherin was s- <laughs> slippery slopes, right? Yeah. And you're like, uh, no, that's not even close. So I really I really want them to read out loud. And, yeah. and at a certain point, what I'm telling parents is, yeah, they don't always have to read out loud. Like you can 10, five minutes and then say, okay, you keep reading. Especially if a kid wants to keep mm-hmm. reading but just doesn't want to do it out loud. Right. That's huge. Like yeah. just let them do it. But just, again, monitor for that so you can, can help. Um, the other thing that I, I do talk to parents about when – when a student is reading, and this is something that I, I mean, I see teachers and parents, and I used to do this too, and they would make a mistake. You just go, oh, no, and you give it to them. Right. That is one of the most crippling things for a student developing their reading fluency because then what it really establishes is this, well, if I make a mistake, one, it either A, doesn't matter, or B, someone's going to give me the answer, so just mm-hmm. keep going anyways yeah. so you don't self-monitor. Mm-hmm. And it really can kind of be this really negative effect on your fluency so there's a lot of strategies you can do where you just like say hey that last sentence makes sense sometimes the student will still say yes because maybe it does I mean maybe it does right maybe they said something slightly different but it Mm -hmm. still makes sense Mm -hmm. the other one is read it back to them say let me read that last sentence back to you and you read it exactly the way they did and you sometimes I do have to do a bigger pause I'm like and the friendship oh a friendship yeah there you go so you're getting them to help identify that and sometimes again they're not going to catch it and then at that point you just kind of cover the word up and be like okay you said the what's the first letter in the t what letter is there oh it's just an a yeah so you see your mistake awesome keep going um the other thing is when you're doing that you obviously don't want to do that every like 10 seconds right, right? Right, right, right. there's a little bit of give and take where you know if they just read a, a three-syllable word and then they messed up the word then and said the instead i would not stop them for that let them keep going but right. if it's something where they're doing it all the time go ahead and take a quick pause and, and kind of help them out with that and i think it's it, what you were touching on with the the quote-unquote lower level is more so building that confidence right so yeah. if they're just going to read 20 minutes by themselves like maybe you're giving them a, a lower you know, if they're at 5.2, you give them the 5.9. Um, and then when you're reading out loud with them. But I like being able to kind of be like, look, just five minutes and that'll be fine. But I think that's what's so hard with par- for parents sometimes is is that time. It, it is consuming. And, and for teachers as mm-hmm. well, because that would be great, you know, if they're yeah. covering it up and you're having a dialogue. But for one word, that was two minutes, yep. right? And it's like the teachers don't have that. So I think it's great for parents to to hear that. 
Um, and before we um, get your information for parents to contact you, we always like to hear of, and on building the confidence, like a success story, which I'm sure you have so many. Yeah, so I always go to this one that was not, not, not that long ago, actually. It was a sixth grade boy and he walked into Learning Center. He wouldn't make eye contact, shoulders slumped forward, mm-hmm. just looked sad. Yeah. And, you know, he was coming in for an evaluation his first day. He had dyslexia. He was basically a non-reader. And we started working with him. And it really wasn't until the end that I started finding out some of, like, how, how impactful this was for this kid that, you know, the mom had said, you know, we go to a restaurant and he just orders the same thing over and over because he can't read the menu and he's too embarrassed to ask for help in front of family and friends. And so, you know, this, the student started with us and, and I think by about halfway through, I saw this completely different kid where Mm -hmm. he would smile. He stood up straight. He made eye contact and asked questions. And he basically went from essentially being a non-reader to reading at about a fifth grade level. So within a year and change, of where he needed to be reading, um, I would say over the course of about six, six, seven months. That's incredible. Um, and, and this was someone who the the school district was like, I don't know if we have the resources to help them. So what we're really going to do to make sure they can access curriculum is, we're going to give them you know tech to uh, text to talk, and mm-hmm. he can press the audio mm-hmm. feature right. on his book, and he can raise his hand and ask things to be read. Well, you have a kid who won't even look you in the eye. There's no way right. he's asking for help. Right. And right. so. The, the fact that this kid was able to come in and do the intervention, he, he did go to school with us for about three months as well. And then afterwards, he was just a completely different kid, mm-hmm. just happy. He wanted to read. He still needed some help, but I mean, this this was huge. This was huge for his life. So Yeah, it changed his life because yeah. who knows where he would be two years later. I mean, it's kids like that that end up dropping out of high school, right? So yeah. it's, it's very life-changing. Well, we love hearing stories like that. So if parents are listening to everything you're saying and go, oh, I didn't never heard of Lindemann Bell before, or they just want to talk to you because you've got some great insights, um, how can they get a hold of you? So you can honestly just go to lindemoodbell.com and you can find a learning center near you. Even if we don't have them, there's pop-up ones we do over summer and oh, breaks cool. all the time if there's a need in the community. Um, I know that they've gone to some places like out in the middle of nowhere because there was like, eight parents who were like, we've heard about you, we want you guys wow. in our community, but we can't drive or take a plane. Awesome. Can you guys come to us? And yeah. they Great. figured out a way to send people there for like six to eight weeks, which is enough for the for intervention. Wow. Um, the other thing, you can uh, just send me an email. It's just my name, Adrian. So A-D-R-I-A-N dot O-J-E-D-A at lindamidbell.com. So Perfect. send me cool. an email, give me a call. Excellent. Well, you better email him because he's really busy. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you making the trek down here um, from Palos Verdes or where you would normally be working. You don't necessarily live there, but uh, we really appreciate it. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we definitely are taking your suggestions into account and reading and reading strategies was one of the ones that um, we knew we had to get somebody in. So we're very thankful for Adrian. Um, maybe we'll have you back to talk about writing because mm, reading oh, and writing are one. very <laughs> yeah. close. And then, and then we'll throw in math at a certain point. But yeah. um, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And yeah, take a look at when we will be dropping the event that we had yesterday because it'll come out and it should be a good one.
So yep. we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.